This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mmm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is episode 235 of the Stacey West podcast. My name is Gary. I'm sure you know that by now, but you never know who I'm going to be joined with. And this week, I'm proud to announce I am joined by, drum roll please, that's not a drum roll, Charlie Beeston. How are you doing, mate? Oh, you're joined by me. I didn't know that one either. Hello, Gary. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> it's my attempts at doing a drum roll and actually just sounding like, um, I don't know, like a, an old age pensioner mumbling to get their dinner. Well, it's better than the old escort sounds that you tried making last time. The, the what now? Oh, God, sounds. yeah, we had the escort last, <laughs> didn't we? Yeah, that was funny um, for a moment. How are you doing then, bud? You are right. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, happy to be talking football again. International breaks are bloody boring. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't actually mind the Saturday at home because it was quite nice weather this Saturday. Um, and mm. was, I think it was, was it Saturday possibly? Me and Fee went in for a nice big breakfast in Louth and then kind of came home. And it was too warm to run because I run. So we sat outside on the furniture and yeah, it was, it was all right. I can handle it. But, yeah, but it does... you do that every away day, don't you? <laughs> Ouch! Um, but it, you know, it does feel weird that we're on to the 14th of September and we've only played at home twice mm. so far this season. Um, you know, it's been quite a weighted start, and I know obviously we had a game, uh, we had a game called off for the international weekend. But even so, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's been a tough one. I think it's been a it's been a, a longish while. Yeah, it's it's quite a weighted start up until Christmas, I do believe. Because I, I don't think it's exactly a perfect split, is it, in terms of home and away? Um, well, no, because I, I was going to say, after Carlisle, we've got Cheltenham at home, mm. but Portsmouth, Leighton Orient, Peterborough away. So we've got, after Carlisle, one home, three away. Then it's yeah. home away, home away, home away, home away all the way through until Boxing Day. And the first back-to-back home games we've got, unless we rearrange Oxford, are the a Boxing Day on Friday the 29th. Yeah, I've got, yeah and one of, those, one of those home games is even on a Tuesday night, which is the Charlton at home in between Exeter and Fleetwood away. So that's going to be a lot of miles that week. Oh, God, yeah, I didn't notice yeah. that. Yeah. And then there's the FA Cup first round. And I, I, I haven't got I'm the lucky. EFL... Tr- uh, I think it's like middle of October, middle of November, and then next Tuesday. Derby. Next Tuesday. Oh. Is that away? That's away, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's the Derby yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah, very good. I wonder if there'll be a clamour for tickets for Derby in the EFL Trophy like there has been for West Ham, which will bring us nicely, succinctly onto our first um, our first topic of conversation. I'm not going to go... I'm not going to delve into it. I'm not going to go on, to, on about it for too long because... I think the club have got the West Ham situation more or less right. Mm-hmm. Um, they've kept prices low because they could quite easily put prices up to full league prices. You know, nobody really would particularly have complained. 
Um, they've got the membership schemes, which allow people who only want to come to six games a season to still get cop priority tickets. So they're rewarding a degree of loyalty. Obviously, there's been some whinging on social media that, you know, I want to take my wife, but I can't get two seats together and all that sort of stuff. But I think I think generally to look at the positive, West Ham sold out within an hour of going on general sale, which is really good. Yeah, it's that's the thing. I feel like the positives are, are there. And I think people who are unhappy maybe just need to take a step back and look at it in perspective. The club are never going to be able to have a perfect system that suits you as an individual if this current system didn't. But I think the way they did it, I have, you know, like you say, the, the membership schemes were brilliant. They made sure to reserve season ticket seats for five days, I believe. Um, so there was always the opportunity there for people to get tickets in various manners. And I, I was really pleased. Um, and to touch on the pricing structure, again, really, really good. Um, that was, they consulted with the with the fan advisory board, as it's now called, um, on the ticket prices and, they went with what we voted as our consensus. So it's really, really positive that the club haven't just, you know, stuck on an extra £10 because it's a Premier League uh, team or anything like that. And actually they've made this a really affordable fixture to to make sure we sell out the ground, which we did, like I say, pretty quickly. Yeah, well, is it, was it 1,900 West Ham fans and, and mm. 9,000 City fans? So it's going to be as close to 11,000 as we've had yeah. um, pretty much ever well not ever obviously but during my lifetime yeah um which i think is is really good and look yeah we talked about west ham as a draw i think it's it's a great draw it is a shame that you always get as i've termed it the willy waving on social media you know i'm the bigger fan i've been going from this time and that time and mm. I've, yeah i find it a little bit not offensive because everybody thinks that they're entitled to something but I don't like the, you know, well, well, I went to this away game or you went to that game or you didn't go to this or I don't go to that. It's just all a bit like one-upmanship and, you know, that whole imps is one thing. It, it, you know, I think in a majority, I think that the ticket sales, to be fair, have gone pretty well and I think most people mm. understand that. Yeah, 100%. Um, the club, you might see on your Ticketmaster account, the club do collect loyalty points, um, but they only started collecting those a couple of seasons back. In fact, maybe only about a season and a half ago. Um, and they don't want to be using that data, you know, using loyalty points as a barometer anytime soon, because obviously they've only got this really short amount of data at the minute and it doesn't go historical. So at the end of the day, this is the best way to do it. It rewards season ticket holders first and foremost. Great. It's a, it rewards people that are committing to attending some, if not all of the home games, but through a membership. Great. And then it gave a chance for some people to get them on general sale. If you missed out, unfortunately, there's nothing else that could have been done, I feel, to to get it. Yeah, and football's changed. I mean, we played West Ham in the, I think it was the 82-83 season in the League Cup, you know, in the Milk Cup, as it was back then. Um, obviously, I was far too young to remember it, um, even though I'm considerably older than you. Don't roll your <laughs> eyes at me, beast. Um, <clears throat> And, but football was a different a different game then. It was a different environment and you could turn up and you'd pay and you'd cram as many in as possible. But you know, 40 years have, uh, have changed football massively. I would argue the last 10 years have changed football massively with you know, the ticketing system and stuff like that. At least we weren't you know, filming queues halfway around the ground. I remember having to queue for a, a ticket to go and watch us play Scunthorpe in the playoffs. I mean, I was poacher at the time. They said, well, you'll have to buy a ticket and I kind of went and, and joined the queue. Um, and I, I just, uh, yeah, I just think it's, you know, it is what it is. It's going to be a great evening, but there's plenty to focus on before that, I think. There is. Um, we've got two really important, if you like, league matches, um, because at the minute every league match is important, especially at the start. If we can get a really good start, then who knows where we'll be. Yeah, a good start's important. As I found out, now I've picked up Football Manager again. Um, and I don't want to go on about it. I'm not going to be one of those guys that now does a whole podcast going, and I took Lincoln to this and I did that. But I see Chris Maguire in a whole new light now that he's virtual and on my laptop rather than in, um, real and in our football team. Um, as, as that kind of, you know, sitting behind the striker in the 10 roll, pulling the strings. And it just makes me think, you know, why why could he not do that for us? And Hakeem Hakeem Adelikan, what a player. Um and so if I give, I'm just as a disclaimer, if I give any opinion on here and you go, well, that's not right. Like, I don't know, Liam Cullen's still playing for us. Um, it's because I'm getting football manager and real life mixed up. Easy to do, isn't it? 
It is easy to do. It is, and many people do do it. And the only reason I've picked up Football Manager, and I may have said it on the podcast before, was at the gig the other week when we signed Jack Vale. Um, mm. I've I said that. Did I say it on the podcast? I went in yeah. and said, oh, Jack, somebody, if Dave Adams knows a footballer that we've signed before <laughs> I know him because he's played him on Football Manager and he only plays it on the little tablet in his charity shop in Rugby oh. and, and he thinks that's knowledge. So that's why I've picked up Football Manager. I tell you, if you ever want me to do anything at all, basically get Dave to do it and I'll just try and do it a little bit better, apart from owning a charity shop because he does that really well. Um, so moving on, some interesting interviews this week um, from BBC Radio Lincolnshire. Now, I had an opportunity to listen to those whilst running because I run, um, and it was a little bit with Hive, a little bit with Hive, a little bit with Clive, a <laughs> little bit with Clive, a little bit with Harvey. My God, I'm going full Ben mode here. Um, oh, slow down. <laughs> really good stuff really good stuff i'd recommend that you go and listen to them one thing bbc radio link to do really well is to get those kind of exclusives and they ask some of the right questions or some interesting stuff won't go into too much of it um, harvey spoke a little bit about um san diego loyal going to the wall which for those mm-hmm. who don't know our sister club have, have kind of have, are going to fold it's their final season there's an mls team going into san diego which i think has has kind of impacted that a little bit so there was a discussion there potentially around clive having a uh, Clive Landon having a little bit more time now to get more involved with Lincoln, uh, quite what that looks like. My gut feeling is that that could be around things like scouting and and and, and the like at that level of football in, in America, because I think the club believe there's probably an untapped market there. Really interesting comments from Harvey, and this is what I want to touch on. He was speaking about not wanting us to tread water, about wanting us to, you know, the championship was the aim. And he was very, very clear in to do that, we have to have our own assets. Mm. And I found that really interesting. Um, I don't know if that's something that you've kind of picked up on or come across at all. Well, I, I haven't listened to those interviews, but what I have done is I went back and watched the fans forum. Now, I don't normally uh, bother with the fans forums. A lot of the stuff is can be regurgitated, but there are always a couple of interesting points to come out of it. And one of the things that Harvey said was, you know, the aspiration, the aim is to get to the championship. One of the key things he, he mentioned then, as you know, he obviously did in the interview there, was to do that, we have to have our players. It's all well and good, you know, using the loan market. That's great. And some seasons you'll get really, really lucky with the players that you bring in. But sometimes that you don't, <laughs> quite frankly. But if you've got your own players, it means you've then got a saleable asset at the end of it still. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something that I've banged on about a lot during the summer. Our first six, seven summer signings um, were all permanence and all went straight into the squad in some way or another and I, I was always really really pleased with the fact that those players that we're getting now are ours so no matter what kind of a season they have with us at the end of the season we've got some something that we can get out of it if they don't have a great season okay sure let's get them maybe alone somewhere and get them maybe built up better to become a first team or all let's try and move them on and we get a little bit of money for them Charles Vernon for example was a player we brought in he didn't exactly have the greatest season with us uh, and then he went he went for an undisclosed fee now I'm not expecting that to have been a, a big deal but it's still some money that brings back into the club's coffers so the fact that we're aiming to do this more as a as, as a model and we are then moving more towards the buy low sell high model and not just doing it with one player here or one player there we're doing it now with the whole squad can only be a positive thing for the sustainable future of Lincoln. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that a couple of years ago, we were very much the team that borrowed players. And I'm not just going back to the Michael Appleton uh, era, but I'm going further back than that as well, the Danny Cowley era. We very rarely had players out on loan. And you have to be, I think, a certain probably probably size to have players out on loan at a decent level elsewhere. You know, for us to get a loan special, which was an hour and 10 minutes or whatever, and went down really well. But for us to get an entire podcast out of our players out on loan, again, it's only positive for the football club. And just because Freddie Draper isn't in the team right now doesn't mean that he isn't going to be in the team, uh, you know, two, three years down the line. And that's development and that's football, isn't it? Um, Exactly. While we're talking about loan players... It doesn't always work, and we're going to come on. I think to talk about one a little while in a in a little while. Who we're going to see again this week? I hope he gets a decent reception. I fear that Mister Plange might get a round of booze when his name's read out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, 
just like Mr. Appleton might get a round of booze when Charlton Athletic arrive next see, uh, next week as well. So, uh, but just funny, I was, I was just interested to um, find out what you made of Mr. Appleton going to Charlton. I don't think we've covered that on a podcast. We we haven't, no. Um, I, I think it's actually a good move for him. And I think it's a good move for Charlton. I, I I was kind of expecting Charlton to be in and around the playoff places. They've had a bit of a slow start, um, but they've got a really good squad. And the fact that Appleton's gone there, and I, f- I feel like their squad actually could be utilised by him and it could work for his system. The only, obviously, downside is we, we, we know with Appleton, and we've heard it not just from that, not seen it with our own eyes, but we've also heard it from Blackpool fans and such. If a team doesn't suit his system, then he just won't do as well there because he's not quite as adaptable uh, as some other managers may be. Um, but... Sorry, go on. Yeah, the... No, no. no. Oh, so do you think his system still is as relevant now, today, at this level as it was three or four years ago? Because everybody seems to be going back to three at the back. Well, this is the thing. Probably not. Um, because, because yeah, Kennedy turned around and said at the start of last season, he wanted to play a four at the back, attacking expansive football, and quickly realised that's not the way you're going to win games in this in this uh, league. And, you know, we spoke at length last year about the fact that some people were using that as a, as a stick to beating with and said, oh, well, you, you promised us attacking football and here we are grinding out nil-nil draws. But it's it, unfortunately, it's the way you need to be in this league. Now, I feel like Charlton have a strong enough squad that they're going to be able to score more than many others in the fact that there there may be games where they win 3-2. Are they going to maybe struggle at the back? Potentially. But it's all about whether or not they've got the players to utilise playing a bit of a pass out of the back, move the ball through the thirds and have some wide players with some proper ability on the ball. They've obviously got Teo Eden in the squad as well. A player who I absolutely loved at Lincoln. He was my favourite player of that kind of Appleton era. Um, even more than some of the lone players that we had last season, because I, just, I always thought that he did everything he was supposed to right. And he was clearly asked to do things, you know, move the ball forward out of the defensive third. And he always did that well. Um, so, again, I expect him to be utilised quite a lot in that Charlton team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's going to do well. Will he get playoffs? Will he last till the end of the season? Is obviously a bit of a question mark, but I feel, feel like they're, they'll certainly improve from where they are anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've obviously given my opinion, I think, on in an article anyway. I, I like Michael, and mm. I think he gets judged too harshly on our second season and not well enough mm. for our first season. And I think had we been in the stands in the ground as supporters for the first season and the second season had been the COVID season where there was nobody there, he would be remembered very, very differently because we weren't there when we beat Burton 5-1 on Boxing Day and we weren't there when we were tearing teams apart. And you know, and that was only really in the first half of the season, beating Charlton, beating Oxford. It was a really good start. Later in the season, yeah. we, we struggled at home against, um, let me think, Shrewsbury, I think, beat us. Rochdale, I think, Fleetwood, I think we drew with, or it was the, was the it, other way around. Was it Accrington, the two-all draw, where Palmer made the couple of mistakes? Was that at home? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was well. the, that was a yeah. Sunday night, wasn't it? Because that got rained off on the Saturday lunchtime. It did. There was no fans. They moved it to the Sunday. Valentine's night? Valentine's May night? Have been, I don't know. I'm single. I wouldn't remember that kind of thing. No, well, I, I, I'm married. I don't remember Valentine's Day. We don't, we don't celebrate Valentine's Day because it's uh, corporate crap until yep. the Valentine's Day where Figo, all of a sudden there's a card on the pillow. And I think, oh, for God's sake, we've been, we haven't celebrated for five years. And now I've got and so now I've got to make a big overblown gesture the next day. So I, I don't know. I'll make a cup of tea or something. And it all works out. No, I'm romantic. Yeah, you've always got to be You've always got to get a card as insurance, haven't you? Just in case. Yeah, yeah. Do. <laughs> I've, I've got a, a Valentine's card hidden in the house so that if I do get given one. Uh, and then we got into the habit of giving each other Valentine's cards from the dog, which was promoting bestiality. So we right. stopped doing that as well. That's not Whatever right. you're into. Whatever you're into, indeed. One thing that Ben has been into this week is speaking ahead of uh, our game against Carlisle uh, to an opposition fan, and I think it's going to be a good opportunity to go to that. We're going to double team here. We're going to um, we're going to kill two birds with one stone because we're going to go to Ben chatting from to Lee from the Brunton Bugle, um, and then we'll go straight into an ad break. And then myself and Mr. Beeston will be back where we're going to pick over the remains of whatever's left from Carlisle United. 
I'm TJ Yoma, and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. Um, but yeah, no, you know, let's let's talk about Carlisle. Obviously, you had a bit of a tough start to the season so far. Um, only had one win, um, you know, so far. How is it? How's it gone for the, for the fans? Are you guys concerned about things, or is there signs of promise there? You know, how's it? Uh, how's it come across for you? It's strange because we we went up through the playoffs, obviously. So we're the last team to come up. So it's always more challenging when you do it that way because you are two or three weeks behind the other teams mm-hmm. who've gone up. You know, they've had a bit of a head start in terms of looking at signings and stuff like that. We we've not played badly in any game so far. In fact, yeah. the only team that looked anywhere near battering us was Wigan. And the mm-hmm. first half, they tore us apart and they were only 1-0 up and should have been 3-4. I mean, mm-hmm. Stevenage at the weekend, yeah, they dominated chances. But again, I, I didn't feel like we were completely outplayed in that game in terms of possession and things like that. So yeah. I, I think there's an acceptance that we've probably been promoted about one or two seasons ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. Um but that's just the miracle work that Paul Simpson has done as manager in his second spell. And, you know, that for that reason, there's a level of patience there. And off the field, there's some potential good news in terms of takeover that's possibly happening in the near future as well. So it's there's a real positive feeling around the club. And even though we're sitting in, what, 19th position at the moment, there's been no real negativity. There's been okay. a bit of frustration in terms of being able to get attacking talent in this summer. It's been a bit of a challenge. Because mm-hmm. we feel like defensively and midfield-wise, we're we're pretty good and we're pretty solid. Trying to get in that strike has been a real, real tough ask. But you know, we got one in on deadline day. It was a familiar face to us in Coyote, and he looks like he's going to make a big difference. And so few of us there have done okay so far. But yeah, so far there's no real negativity. Everyone's generally quite happy with you know the the performances have been okay. Not quite as strong as they were last season, but it's a step up, so you expect that. So I think generally there's, there's a level of patience there among our sports, which is quite a surprise compared with uh, past years. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, I suppose it always makes a difference, doesn't it, when you're, you're in a league above where you were previously. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, that's always a good thing. I mean, you mentioned there, you know, the, the performances against um, Wigan and Stevenage. You, you say that they probably should have been further ahead than where they were, but they're both games that you drew. So is that... Is that something that you know you're taking from uh, those performances and saying, look, we can dig in, we can you know defend well and and nick a goal if we need to? I, I saw the Stevenage game was a, a very late goal for you guys to to level it up. So, is there that sort of underlying confidence that you know if we stick at what we're doing, then we'll be okay this season? Absolutely. I mean, you, you've got a spot on there. I think th- there's definitely been a um, a real fighting spirit in this team ever since Simpson came back, and that's not changed this season. And we've lost a few players over the summer, but the ones who've come in have, have bought into that. And, you know, there, there is a sort of um, a real sort of keep going till the final whistle attitude to us. And, you know, that's got us results in other games. And you're right to mention the fact that those two games we probably could have lost, we've drawn. And actually the ones we've lost, the three we've lost, um, there's a strong argument that we could have won all three. I mean, maybe not mm. the Port Vale game. We weren't particularly great that day, but against Oxford, it was a very even game and they got a really scrappy goal to win it. Against, um, I'm trying to think who else did we lose it? Exeter, they won 2 0, but two goals in the second half, really. Not quite a sucker punch, but it was kind of frustrating. We, we could have easily won that game. So, no team's blown us away, really. So, other than, like I said, you could maybe argue Steamers at the weekend, but again, we scored two goals and we, we got a point with that one. So, yeah, I, I think generally that there is that real fighting spirit. And we're, we're going to need that because at the end of the day, we got promoted last season from League Two for bottom six budget. It's increased, but it's not increased that much. So there's yeah. every chance we're probably bottom six, if not probably one of the lowest budgets in the division this season. And, mm. you know, we need a manager who's going to, you know, perform miracles and we've got a man who can do that. Good stuff. I mean, yeah, it sounds like, you you know, you're really happy with with, with Paul Simpson coming back into the club and kind of working his magic, as you said, um, to, to get you... Would you say probably above your station's a fair statement, maybe? I think as a club, no. I think as a club, we are a sort of League One mid-table club that could occasionally bounce up to the championship, probably mm. occasionally bounce down to League Two as well. Mm. I think that's that's the kind of level of club we are. I think in terms of the way the club is at the moment, with the ownership and the resources and things like that, yes, he has got us above our station, absolutely. Mm. And he's the, the work he's done, you, you cannot undersell how good a coach and manager he's been for us this second time around. But, better than he was first time first time he did a brilliant job but this time the job he's done with the resources we've got is 
quite remarkable to take a team that we go back to February 2022. He got appointed at the end of that month. In the middle of that month, we played against Swindon Town mm-hmm. and they had a player play for them called Harry McCurdy. You might have heard of Harry McCurdy. He's a well-known in the lower leagues, has been a wind-up merchant. He played for us for a season and he was a good player for us, but he's just an absolute idiot. Like He, he fell out of our fans very quickly. Mm. The fact that he scored 11 goals in 33 games and we let him go at the end of that season tells you everything you need to know about him off the pitch. Right, he ran he ran riot that day and he tore us apart and they beat us 3-0. It's the most toxic atmosphere I've ever been in at a football game. It was horrible. And we knew things had to change at that point. Um, mm. After that game, we sacked Keith Millen, who was our manager since November, so he didn't really have very long. But we also sacked our director of football, a name who's very familiar to your fans, David Holsworth. I'm sure he's about as popular as <laughs> of ours. Yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not a very popular person at Carlisle, but bluntly. <laughs> Um, Paul Simpson comes in, he has free reign he's the manager till the end of the season, he does such a good job keeping us up, he pretty much does it in five games, I think he won our first five games in a row and that's pretty much us guaranteed staying up and the, what he did in the summer and the following season is just absolutely remarkable he's he, he's brilliant and put it this way, he's basically got a job for as long as he wants it essentially I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thank you, Lee, from, from the Brunton Bugle. And thank you, obviously, Ben from the Stacey West. But to kick us off, Charlie, what were, the, what were the main points that you took from that interview? One thing that I actually quite liked hearing, um, because it's not always it's not always said by many fan bases, it's... Look, at the minute, we've had a bit of a struggling, slow start to the season, but they're still really happy. And they've just said everything in the camp at the minute is positive. And I, and I like hearing that sort of that sort of thing. Um, you know, they've, they've got six points, uh, one, one win, three draws, um, I, I believe anyway. Though. Yes, no, it, I am right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> one win, three draws, and uh, obviously two losses. Um, they are, like I said, they are just really happy with where they are at the minute. They've got a decent enough squad. Their aim is obviously just stabilising League One. Um, you know, no, re- not being relegated is their is their aim. And I honestly think that they could do it. Fair enough. Let me get. I, I was picking over some stats. Let me give you some stats. So, there's, so we play Carlisle United this weekend. So if as a fan you hear this, does it leave you um, excited? So bottom two in the division for shots per 90 minutes. Bottom in the division for crosses. Bottom in the division for touches in the box. Bottom in the division for headed efforts at goal. That's Lincoln City, not Carlisle United. That's us. So... In terms of an attacking force, and then we'll come on to Carlisle in a minute because I have picked some stats up from them. They're top, by the way, for headed efforts at goal, mm. um, and we are top for shots on target. So, I, but I, was, I just found it really interesting looking at those stats and thinking, Do you know, if I was Carlisle, I was looking at that. You'd think, well, Lincoln probably not going to score against us if we can get a goal. But you know, we've scored six goals at home, so yeah, really interesting. Um, so I want to pick up, yeah, a little bit on Carlisle. First of all, they've got a player who I think is tremendous and he hasn't started the last couple of games for them. And that's Dan Butterworth, who was on loan at Port Vale from Blackburn last season. I really liked mm. him. thought he was a real handful. Um, they've got, uh, obviously, Owen Moxon, 
who I think was at Queen of the South when he was yeah. younger, heavily linked with Blackpool, scored a cracking free kick in, in one of their draws. Might have been against Fleetwood Town. Really, really good free kick. Um, but what really struck me about Carlisle is at the minute, their fans are happy. I get that. If this, mm-hmm. I think they still need to find their identity as a team, and I think that's the one thing that we can hopefully exploit because this season they've played 4-1-3-2 against Exeter, 4-3-1-2 against Wigan, 4-3-3 against Harrogate, 3-4-1-2 against Fleetwood and Shrewsbury, 3-5-2 against Oxford and Accrington, and 5-3-2 against Stevenage. I mean, that's... Do you know what? That's that's exactly the sort of collection of formations that I imagine Chris Lamming goes to sleep dreaming about. <laughs> yeah, it, very true. They don't seem to be a team that, that, like you say, they don't really know what they are yet, and that's gonna that's gonna take time. But on the flip side of that, the fact that they're still being able to grind out some results, and I'm you know. When, when you look at some of the teams they've played, you know, we've spoken about the fact they've played against uh, Wigan, for example, and got a draw at home to Wigan. They've got a draw away at Stevenage, who have had a good start to the season. They've won at home to Shrewsbury. They've drawn at home to Fleetwood, who, OK, Fleetwood haven't had the greatest starts to the season, but they are still a good side and they've got a really good squad. So the fact that they're still, try- they're still able to grind out some results against these, you know, against these good sides whilst not really having a full identity yet, is a little bit worrying. Yeah, see, I'm going to disagree with you, because I think Fleetwood, I tip them for the playoffs. I think they've been really poor. Um, mm. I think beating Shrewsbury is an, is an average result yeah. at best um, at their place. They lost 2-0 to Exeter in a game um, where they were they were decidedly average. They were really poor against Oxford, Fleetwood and Port Vale in terms of their XG. Uh, they they offered very little attacking threat. They've got a problem whereby they don't really know which strikers to start with. So it's Keodi and Maguire, I think, against Stevenage. But they've had a, a Blade, I think his name is Joe Garner. Dan Butterworth's played up there. Ryan Edmondson's played up there. Luke Plange. They're, they're juggling what look to be, in my opinion, a handful of average strikers. And at the minute, they're trying to find a, a, a decent pattern. Now, I'm, I don't think that they are... Um, a team that we should take lightly, and I think in Dylan McGeeck in the midfield with Owen Moxon, I think that's you know, that looks decent. I like the boy. Is it McGeeck? I think that or McGeeouch, however yeah. you pronounce it. Yeah. He was at Sunderland, wasn't he? And he was for some reason he went to Forest Green last season, and they wanted him to stay. And after six months, he said no, thank you. Um, Thomas Holy in goal as well, and I don't understand how he's filtered down into League Two because he's a beast. He's huge. Mm. He's huge. Was he in goal for Ipswich once against us? And he was. You, 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 you can't, you know, you put a cross in and he's standing 18 feet tall. He's just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I just think there's they've got potential, but at the minute it just feels so muddled from as an outsider looking in. But I guess that kind of, when you spoke about those stats for, for, for us, you know, um, the fact that we're at the bottom of the league in a lot of these sort of attacking stats, the outside looking in, obviously they they'll be looking at us like, okay, well, if we just go there, shut up shop for the first half hour, we'll be able to nick, nick a goal and and win the game. It's it's really hard to kind of tell. Now, one thing that interests me, and I'm just going to mention one of the players that you've already mentioned, actually, Sean Maguire. Um, playing up top for them, obviously, some of the games, not all, because as you say, they can't really seem to figure out who to start. Um, he, he started five matches for them so far. Now, Sean Maguire has, has obviously had a, a lot of time in the Championship, been in the Championship since the 17-18 season and has played in the Championship every season since, obviously, before this one. I always thought in my head that he was much more of a prolific goal scorer than what he was. Yeah, me too. I, I looked at it and he scored 22 goals in his six seasons for Preston in the championship. Yeah. In fact, 22 goals in seven seasons. If you think, well, it's, it's still six actually, because it was only half a season at Coventry. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really not scored anywhere near as many as what I thought. And then when you think, obviously, Luke Plange, now people can make their own opinions of Luke Plange. I'm not going to come on here and, and slate him as a, as a player at all. Because sometimes it works for players for certain clubs. Sometimes it doesn't. He was shit for us. He was he shit was. for us. Let, no, let's, be, let's call it as it is. He's he's not a shit footballer, but he was shit the, for the, us. This, so this is what I'm out. saying. I'm, I'm not going to say that he is a he's a horrendous footballer. For us, wasn't good. But that could have been system. It could have been whatever. 
But the fact that obviously, in terms of scoring, are they really going to get that many goals from him that's this season? It's unlikely. Some of them already are, uh, aren't exactly his biggest fan. So then you look at where their goals are going to come from. We've already spoken about the fact that they've got some goals from the midfield already. Um, and, and that's and that's very much the question. Now, the big, the big thing that intrigues me is the fact that in all but one of their matches so far this season, they've had less than 50% possession. In fact, the only game where they had more than 50% possession was against Harrogate in the Cup, and that was only 51% against the team in the division below. We are also a team that, you know, we, we average something like 30% possession um, this, this whole season so far. We've been happy to let other teams have the ball. And we sit back off them and then we, we break at the right times and we're really clinical in our attacks. We don't always have that many attacks, but when we do, we're clinical with them. It's going to be really interesting now, this game, as a team comes to us who are maybe wanting to sit off, who aren't willing to come at us, how are we going to press against them in that first half hour, that first 45 minutes of the game? At half time, are we going to be bored out of our minds from the first half of football we've seen at Sinsel Bank? Or are we going to be really pleased with the fact that we've managed to get a couple of goals already? How's that dynamic going to work? I'm really, really intrigued by it's a great point. It's one I've got written down. They average 43% possession, us 38% possession. When you look at some of the teams that we have played, you know, we've only played twice at home, you expect to probably concede possession a little bit away. So I think the yeah. 38% for us probably isn't quite as reflective as where it should be. Um, and obviously they've, they've kind of played some games where you would expect them to have a little bit of the ball. And that 43%, by the way, is, is only in League One, so it doesn't include Accrington yeah. and Harrogate. Um I think this could go one of two ways, which obviously everything goes one of two ways. So we're either going to have a Charlton and Cambridge like last season where it's going to just be tedious, tedious football. I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think that Lincoln City uh, year, year two, Mark Kennedy, Lincoln City year two, are as limited going forward as, as year one. And this plays into, I don't know if anyone listens to the Not The Top 20 podcast, but Ali Maxwell uh, on the Not The Top 20 podcast, said um, that he likes Lincoln. We've had some good results, but we still haven't found our attacking identity yet. We're a lot further down the road in terms of finding an identity than, than Carlisle, almost certainly. So we're going to be forced to have the ball an awful lot more than we than normal. I wonder if that might mean a start for Alistair Smith in midfield over Ethan Hamilton. Because I think it may be that we're looking for more of an at more attacking intent. Depends very much who's available up top, by the way, mm. because we'll come on to that in a minute as well. Um, so it, it could be that we're looking to get more kind of creative players. And I'm not saying actually that Smith's any more creative than Hamilton, but he's more of an attack-minded midfielder. Hamilton's more of the box-to-box -box mm -hmm. Matty Virtue, and we know Arahan's more of the kind of the holding midfielder. So I think it's going to be really interesting. And let's not forget, in terms of XG, and I love XG, but in terms of XG, um, Carlisle have got the third lowest. Mm -hmm. So first of all, they're, they're not as likely to pose a threat as any of the teams that we've we've faced already this season. So there won't be as much to press them for as much to stoke up. But they've got the second highest XG against. So they concede chances. And mm -hmm. that's the thing that I think will make this game more um, enjoyable and engaging mm -hmm. than the Charlton and the Cambridge and the other games last season that were 0-0 that we walked away from thinking, yeah, I could have been at home boiling the kettle for 90 minutes instead of watching that. Um, so, yeah, it's a great point, but I genuinely think we're better equipped. And what, you know, what a mm. test this is, Charlie. What a test this is for the new Mark Kennedy Lincoln City because we have not been able to break teams down at Sinsel Bank since Danny Cowley was in charge. We could mm. never do it consistently under Michael Appleton. If teams came and wanted to defend, it was hard for us to beat them unless they were really, mm. really bad. And as we touched upon there, even when we went to the year we went to the playoffs, Shrewsbury, Accrington, Fleetwood, Rochdale. You see, I, I very, very much agree. And I think, first of all, this it, it's a game like this where Mark Kennedy earns his money because he'll have had 10 days on the training pitch with the players. So, you know, if we're going, if we're going to kind of use the quote that Ali Max always saying, and, you know, we've not really found our attacking identity yet. 
this is the sort of game where we can showcase something new, something that we've not necessarily seen before, whether that's you know, a, a slight different uh, players up top, which wouldn't actually surprise me too much. Um, like you say, I, I very much agree with the whole Smith over Hamilton in that sense. And I would also, if one of the strikers are, all three of the strikers aren't starting, I wouldn't be too opposed to seeing a Dylan Duffy, Mandroyu, Rico Hackett front three um, with, with, you know, one of the three centrally more than likely Rico. It's interesting. Um, Let me pick you back up on that in a minute. Carry on. Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's, I, yeah, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that one in a second, I'm sure. But in terms of, like I say, breaking teams down at home, for me, we, we talk a lot on this podcast and in general football chat about barometers. We spoke about the fact that Blackpool was a bit of a barometer in terms of where we were after the first month, because that was a team that we expected to be in and around the playoffs. We beat them comfortably at home. Um, that may have been just as much a sign about their weaknesses so far this season as our kind of positives but for me the first four games the first four home matches sorry are the big barometers so we'll have had after obviously after Cheltenham and Carlisle we'll have had Blackpool as in a team that were relegated from uh, above we'll have had Carlisle a team promoted from below we'll have had Wickham a team that we couldn't break down at home but could break down away and we'll have had Cheltenham a team that we could break down at home but couldn't break down away though that, that will be four matches four home matches that really give us a widespread of the kind of teams that we are able to perform against. Now, we spoke, well, I know that uh, in your dog walk video earlier, guys, you spoke about actually if we can beat both Carlisle and Cheltenham, it's six points, Portsmouth is, it doesn't matter quite as much Portsmouth as, uh, as it could do if we didn't get the six points. But if we haven't got six points from that, for me, that's four games from teams across the board that we'll have beaten all four of. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if that does, suddenly... Is a lot harder to stay grounded and uh, not start looking up. So, do you think we'll start with three across the front if House and Tyler are injured, or do you think we would actually? I, go I would want to Mandroyu. So, what about top two of Mandroyu and Hackett with a three in that, midfield of Hamilton, Smith, and Arahan? I, I, I would expect that to actually be the way that it goes. I would personally like to see the three forwards. Because I feel like it will give us more of a chance to to go at to go at the team. It will also. What, what opportunity does it give us off the bench? Well, you'd still have well, Bishop would still be on the bench, so you could then quite easily move into a Bishop comes on for one of the front three, and then you can go back to one the, one of the formations that you know you were sort of saying of a three five two five three two however you'd like to to see it or obviously then you can bring on one of Hamilton or Smith whichever one doesn't start it gives you the option to then easily change the only attacking option up front that you could then change is obviously uh Jovan McCarmer so realistically you would need two of the three if we were starting as a front three to play a full 90 which it's then obviously difficult but the fact that it's then a Papa John's Trophy game midweek could kind of be a question mark of actually are we okay to play a full ninety for some of our sort of main starters because we'll heavily rotate on Tuesday. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I genuinely think if 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 House and Tyler Walker, Ben as Tyler Walker are injured um, or or unable to to appear, I think that we'll go with a two. I really do, and I think it's probably the only criticism of the squad is just that I think we lack one wide forward. Uh, but... Yeah, which we've brought in, but unfortunately doesn't come in until January, and that's the the sort of Jackman. one unfortunate thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think we've covered Carlisle relatively well, and mm. where we are in terms of, of playing Carlisle, we've mentioned Luke Plange. Um, I just yeah, you know, I, I had my opinion on him, but I felt really let down by Luke Plange because I backed him um, quite heavily yes. and. Yeah, I thought it was going to be after a slow start. I thought he might pick up. I think of all the lone forwards that we've had in, and when you, you think back, there have been quite a few, the likes of Callum Moore and Dan and Lundaloo. I mean, even Jamie Saul, who came in on loan, mm. Morgan Whitaker, Liam Cullen. I mean, we've had a lot of on loan. I think Luke Plange was arguably the worst of the last five or six years. Um, yeah, I over Tashan Oakley Booth. Tashan Oakley Booth wasn't a striker, was he? Tash, Tash, Tash oh, sorry. Yeah, so forwards. I should mention forwards. <laughs> it's all right, Ben. Don't worry about I it. Was, I wasn't. I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to you. You were boring me. 
<laughs> oh, now you're trying to be me. One minute you're trying to be Ben, the next minute you're trying to be me. Try and be Charlie Beeston. Um, so, no, so that's that's Carlisle. We've covered that really well. We've done it to death. We've done 20 odd minutes on it. Really, really good stuff. I've got a couple of questions from Twitter and we'll then we'll wrap up because it, it you know it doesn't need to be a massive long podcast. We haven't got a game that we're going to be picking up on. But I've had some great I've had a couple of um, a couple of questions come in on Twitter and I wondered what uh, what your thoughts were. First of all, and I think we could answer this at the same time. So what we'll do is we'll do Full name, first and second name. I'll count as in, okay? But who do you believe is the most valuable player to the squad? Okay? On one, three, two, one, Ethan Aaron. Ethan Aaron. You were meant to do it at the same time as me. Otherwise, why I would I count I did do it at the same time. Oh, did you? Well, in that case, there's a lag because there was a second lag. There was a second lag. Um, yeah, Ethan, without a doubt. No doubt whatsoever. Although that's not being detrimental to the likes of Danny Mandroyu, who I think is instrumental to the squad. I think Tyler Walker and Ben House will be. Sean Rowan's had a great start. Paulie O'Connor has been superb. I've got huge, huge belief in TJ. Still, I still mm. think there's a great player in TJ Ioma, and I think he's coming coming on to you know his, his best football at the minute. Yeah. But Ethan's just head and shoulders. Step above. Step above yeah. anybody else in the squad. And like you say, that's... It says a lot that we're able to say that about a pl- about one single player when we're also talking about the fact that this is one of the best squads we've had in a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, Kate, I hope you're well. Kate has asked, have your opinions on where we will finish this season changed since before the start of the season? Um, it's a great question because I can't remember where I said I thought we'd finish. Um, I think I said that we'd finish a couple of places higher potentially than where we were. Now, uh, there's two answers to this, actually, because have your opinions on where we will finish this season changed? My opinion on where we could finish this season has changed. I do think we could challenge the top six the way things Mm -hmm. have started. Do I think we will? No, I still think we'll be around eight or ninth come, come the end of the season, but we'll see. I had us sneaking into sixth, um, and I think that we could very much still get there, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if it happens. Um, I am really, really positive about the start of the season, and like you say, it's really difficult to, to obviously... It's really easy, sorry, to take things out of take like the first five or six games and use that and say, right, well, you know, we're, we're in the top half of the table. We've not left the top half of the table since the first couple of matches. You know, um, it's really positive. We've won a cup game away. It's not counting won a cup game away at Sheffield United. Everything's looking up. We're talking about really brilliant um, kind of owners in their interview. They were talking, and there's just so much positivity around it. But I genuinely do feel thinking of trying to think objectively anyway that we could and will get into the playoffs. Well, I say is I will give you a more objective answer in two months' time. Mm. I think at the minute, I'll be okay, it's the 14th of September, so we are six weeks into the season now. But I just think come come back after 12 games. I think I said it to my dad on the phone the other day. If after 12 games you're still tucked in that top six area, and yeah. you, you, you've you won a couple of EFL trophy games and your players are staying fit. And a lot depends on the striker situation at the minute. Three strikers out injured um, because obviously Jack Vale, who we haven't seen as yet as well, get get the two of those back and, and, and fit and firing. And the optimism from Blackpool and Wickham hasn't ebbed away. I, I'm just a little bit cautious. And you even come back to me in, in three weeks' time after the Cheltenham game, two weeks' time, whatever it is, I'll, I'll be a little bit clearer, I think. So, last question, and this is an I, I can give. I, I know the answer to this, but it's from Sam Rowson. Sam, I hope you're well, mate. With Draper's great impact in League Two so far for Walsall, do you see us recalling him in January if it continues, Charlie? No, um, because there you go, Sam. We've got we've got three strikers, and Jack Vale is in for the whole season, as far as I am aware. So we've got three strikers, three strikers who are all perfectly capable. We typically, so far, have been starting in a one striker formation with two wide players. Uh, Jack Moylan will be coming in in the 
in January as well, and he can play centrally. Um, so I don't see there's any need to halt his development by bringing him back in and him not being an automatic starter, which he wouldn't be, considering the other players we've got in the position. So there's no point in halting his development and bettering the development of, let's say, a Jack Vale for Blackburn when we could have him at Warsaw and continue to fire there. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think if he's in good form at Walsall, we leave him there for the full season. Yeah. Um, and you know, if he plays forty-six games and has got fifteen, twenty goal involvements, assists, and goals by the end of the season, he would be hot property. If you, if there was a nineteen-year-old did that in League Two, um, who was owned by his his the club in League Two, we'd be looking at him going, we should sign that player. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's always easier to be. Um, when when you own a player, it's easier to be critical of what they do. I think he had a great spell at Drahida. I think it's great what he's doing at Walsall. Leave him there. He's obviously playing some some football at the minute. He'll come back to us twenty years mm-hmm. old, strong as an ox, instantly you know it, it, saleable. I, I'd be surprised if he played yeah. forty games for Lincoln City because if he carries on the way he's going, he'll come back to us. He'll play five or six games and move on, like Darren Huckabee did. And then it's a worthwhile investment, and in it sort of hundred percent Vic- validates everything that the academy is doing yeah 100% so we'll move on to any other business now um, and in any other business I've got fundraisers written down because I was going to talk about my own efforts but we can do that next week because I'll still be doing my efforts next week so this week I wanted to talk about um, Jack Lawson who's got in contact with me he is or us rather he's got in contact with us and it's not all about me um, he's got in contact with us he's running the Yorkshire Marathon on October the 15th uh, and he is doing that for Abby Ringrose. Now, Abby is a Lincoln City women's player, uh, 22 years old. She's a physiotherapist at Lincoln County Hospital. Um, but whilst watching, while she was in Australia watching the Women's World Cup, she fell ill and was admitted to hospital in Sydney. And after extensive tests and scans, she received the diagnosis uh, of an aggressive and rare form of ovarian cancer. Uh, So she had to have emergency surgery over there. And now she's facing multiple rounds of intensive chemotherapy in London. Um, And it's to happen to at any age. That's terrible. But 22 years old, that it's just, yeah, it's um, it must be really hard to deal with. Uh, So Jack's raising money for Abby, um, putting the putting money towards basically the tough times ahead, made challenging by extensive travel to London, all that sort of stuff as well. So uh, you can find him on GoFundMe. He is uh, on Twitter, and his Twitter handle is uh, at JackLawson151. So if you go to at JackLawson151, um, he's got pinned tweets and, and, and all that sort of stuff there. So you can go there and, and, and raise money. He's done a fantastic job already. He had a £500 target. It's already £1,235 on there, which will hopefully help, help Abby's recovery. Um, she's part of the Lincoln City family um so yeah if you can afford to please do go and give generously charlie any other business from yourself uh oh as a question i actually don't think there is um good i'm pleased you said that yes because <laughs> i've got we're doing homemade pizza tonight so we buy the pizza Ooh. dough and then we put uh, i know it's officially called pizza topping but once i inadvertently called it pizza cream and now that's what we call it so we put pizza cream on there <laughs> I bought some meatballs from Heron Foods. Have you ever been in a Heron Foods? I know it feels a little bit. Um, Do you know what? I haven't, but I want to. Yeah, it, Joe. I, I, I like, I'm a supermarket buff. I love to go in Waitrose, um, but I don't like Ooh. to pay Waitrose prices. You know, everything's like. Say. Yeah. <laughs> But they do Waitrose Cafe does this brilliant. I'm going somewhere with this. They do these brilliant um, burgers, only like seven quid, but they use their own relish on it. So there's like seven quid's worth of relish because it's about a thousand pounds for a jar. So anyway, we mix this relish on our pizza cream, but I've gone in Heron Foods and bought these little cheap meatballs that I'm going to put those on and make my own meatball sub pizza, basically. But yeah, Heron Foods, they do a chai chili sauce. And it's like, you know, when you go into um, like a kebab house at one in the morning and you get those awful kind of clear, squeezy things of sauce to put on. Yeah. Yeah, £1.39 this chilli sauce I bought two today, we've already got one in the cupboard it is absolutely beautiful, honestly I mean I won't buy, there's some stuff I won't buy from Heron Foods, like a lot no. of processed meats were like bums and eyelids and stuff But yeah. it's, the same as, it's the same as them all though you pick and choose and, and you can get the cheap stuff for uh, that's still actually really nice, it's rude not to that's, 
Do you know the, the one place, as a student? The one place not to go is the co-op because the co-op's got Waitrose oh. prices, uh, but it's got like her own food quality. I cannot stand co-op. And do you know what I want to know? I want to know if anybody has ever been in a co-op before where uh, one of the smaller co-ops, not the big ones, mm. where there's three tills and there's more <laughs> than one person serving. Because my, it doesn't matter where you go. My local one in Nottingham when I'm at uni, that has two tills and typically doesn't have anybody working at all, but it has the scan and you scan and go thing. But then they're so temperamental that you're still waiting for 10 minutes, waiting for a worker to come and fix it anyway. And, and I'm one of these, I'm a typical Brit in that I'll be in the queue and there'll be somebody stacking the shelf and you can see them. They're stacking the shelf and they're looking across and they see the queue. They're waiting for the bell because they're conditioned. And I'll stand there and I'll be looking at my watch and I'll be going, and the people in front of me are all shrugging and everything. And then eventually the, the, the whoever's serving trudges themselves begrudgingly yeah. to the front, opens yeah. it up. You go up to the counter and they'll go, how are you? And I'll go, I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? And what, you know, do I mean that? And then I'll go out and moan about them. But I won't say, oh, to yeah. them, why were you stacking the shelves? Nobody can buy anything because they can't get served. They're the sort of things that aren't allowed to be said to their face. Like there's, a, there's an etiquette here. Yeah. British, yeah. we're British. Yeah, we do. Right. We get indignant. I was in the dentist earlier, and they, not particularly a funny story. But four o'clock, they said, "Come in." I'd originally got booked in for twenty past four. They said, "Can you come at four? No problem at all." So I got there in typical British style at ten mm -hmm. two because nobody wants to be late for anything. Um, and I didn't get seen until twenty five past four. So I was absolutely furious kind of why have they got me in early and i'm looking at a watch and i'm touching and i'm looking around at people and people are coming in and then they're going off into a room before i'm getting oh, served and i know why oh, is there's nothing woman... worse and it's because this woman was in the waiting room and she was there she'd got five kids by six different fathers and they'd gone upstairs into the dentistry and i could hear them running around she'd come back down she was all tattoos and all this sort of stuff and it they were up there for ages and you know, it was my turn. And this she comes down, she goes, Gary Hutchinson. And I went, that's me. And she goes, I'm very sorry for your wait. And I went, it's not a problem at all. <laughs> yeah. But then you come on here and moan about it. Yeah. yeah. And if the, yeah. the people yeah. are the right way to do it. And, you know, the other thing is, it's not even like I can just go to another dentist because finding a dentist these days is like finding a bloody Roman car breaker with a metal detector or something, isn't it? It's just impossible, yeah. honestly. <laughs> right you know what in that little rant there are so many little references that are jokes between me and feet and she's just sat there smirking away completely because she's always finding roman things in the garden like she'll come through and go i think this is roman and it's like no that's a spring from a ford escort go back out and try again and she'll come back in with a coin it could be a roman coin it's like if roman had queen elizabeth ii on the throne then maybe it is um anyway don't don't kill her dream come on it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be great um like uh big tang's got a metal detector and fee's mum's yeah. got a, a fee's dad had a metal detector and fee's gonna get it and i've said i am definitely gonna go out in the garden i'm just gonna be burying little things all over the place and and <laughs> I, I framed it as i'm gonna bury like nice things so you can find them and it'll all be exciting but i'm not i'm gonna yeah. bury like yeah. Just, just like crap. Do you know what I mean? Like a bit of rust breaks just off. Get, my car, just get a load of fake. Loud. Just get a load of fake stuff that looks like it's Roman. Yeah, but it has that, to be metal. Give her, yeah, get, give get like lots of little fake metally Roman type artifacts. Dig, put them in the ground because then you can let her get really excited by finding these Roman stuff, and then you get to ruin it by saying they're fake. I don't want to ruin it, Charlie. <laughs> Break it. I don't want to ruin it. Why do I want to ruin things? I wanted to find a proper Roman Sierra front Sierra spring. <laughs> I don't want to find a fake one. I want to find a real one. I've got to say, Ash um, Ash Hyde had me absolutely howling when he was talking about what he was going to do with Tang. He said he was going to bury little bags of coins all over, but on top of the coins, he was going to put dollops of dog shit and then put dirt on top so that when he was digging up, he dug through oh. it. And that honestly, that just had me absolutely howling. It really did. If I knew a metal detector is that I didn't like, that's definitely something. I always, I always enjoy listening to Tang talk about his metal detectoring because it all means absolutely nothing to me, and I would never get any joy from it. But he absolutely loves it. It's always really enjoyable. 
yeah, I do. I like to see yeah. a man with a good hobby, and dirt fishing is yes. a great hobby. Fair play to him. Right, one of my hobbies is eating pizza, and it's not going to happen while I'm sat here talking to you about about burying one pound coins covered in dog shit, is it? So, um, ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls, thank you for listening to episode 235 of the Stacey West podcast. I've been your host, Gary, over there. He's been Charlie, but at different points, he's also tried to be me and Ben as well. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. We'll talk to you again on Sunday. But in the meantime, as always, up the imps. Up the imps. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.